We've got rumors of trades. Pascal Siakam, maybe, to Indiana? By the time you listen to this, maybe it has happened? I don't know. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to recap the action from Tuesday across the NBA, and we're going to hear from Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyden. Who told you to put the bomb on? I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com, and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball, on TikTok at redrock underscore bball, and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're here to double bang it out. Watch the video, listen to the audio. And if you are here on video, first of all, thumb it up, comment, bell for subscription, and then oh, bell for notifications and hit the subscribe because we've got a big show coming up. Thursday, February 8th, 1.30 p.m. trade deadline. Live here, 90 minutes before the deadline, breaking down it all when it happens. Um, so make sure you're aware. I want 20,000 people in here. I don't think it's going to happen. I, why am I setting my sights so high? I need to have 200 people rock up. Hopefully we get 20,000. We'll find out. But I want you in there to do it. Um, like I said, we had a, a, a tweet from Shams. He sort of just like dropped it out there, then just ran. Thanks, big fella. The actual tweet that Shams put out there was developing. The Raptors and the Pacers are in active talks on a trade centered on two-time All-Star Pascal Siakam, also known as Pascal Shakim. Um, the package includes three first-round picks, league sources say. Great. Thanks, Shama. That's awesome to know. Now, obviously, there would have to be matching salary in that, and then you go and click through the article on The Athletic, and the name that's mentioned is Bruce Brown plus other salaries. Now, there's other ways they can get there. The other matching salary could be the equivalent of TJ McConnell's contract. They could include things like Obi Toppin. I don't think it's going to include Jarris Walker. I don't think it's going to be Buddy Heald. I don't think it's going to be Benedict Matherin. Um, it could be Isaiah Jackson in there as well. And he would be very interesting in Toronto, wouldn't he? As a backup center who could start if Pertle remains out. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Very interesting. But we don't know. So I'm not going to do a full breakdown on this Siakam thing. What I do think, if we just want to look at the basics of it, I think that if Siakam is moved and Bruce Brown is the key, is the main piece coming back, along with three first-round picks, apparently, well, what would happen is Brown would start in Siakam's place, and that's it. That's the change. Now, if it doesn't involve Isaiah Jackson and Pertle remains out, well, Jackson will start at center and be a must-add player. But I don't know that. Jalen Smith might go back in the trade and he would start at center and be a must-add player, but I don't know that. But if we use their just regular lineup, they'll go quickly, they'll have Barnes, they'll have Barrett, they'll have Brown, and they'll have Pirtle. You know, Barnes shifts up to the four, Barrett plays the three, Brown plays the two, quickly plays the one, Schroeder keeps his minutes, and then the peripheral pieces, we'd have to see how that fits around. So it wouldn't be a huge change. Now, Brown has been sort of a fringe player, the old shark, but I think if he went to Toronto, he'd move from like a guy that plays 28, 29 to a guy that plays 33, 34. And that would definitely secure his value. In terms of does Siakam's value change? I don't, I don't think it drops. I think it maybe increases in Indiana. Like there's no, yes, Bruce Brown's not a high usage player, but 
it's only Halliburton who's a usage player there. So I think Siaka would be fine, if not do more in Indiana. So I don't think there'd be a problem with it. The question then is like Siaka moves to Indiana. Obviously that kills Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson if they both stay there, but they might not because Jalen Smith would move from starting into a bench role or you move to Toronto. Obi Toppin's value gets cooked as well because he's not going to be splitting minutes at power forward. Aaron Neesmith would remain starting, I'm guessing, at the three. And then the other spot where Bruce Brown started, the problem is that there's three options still. It could be Nembhard, it could be Matherin, it could be Heald. But maybe Heald has moved in another deal as well. And they could start Nembhard at the two, TJ McConnell at the one, while we're dealing with a Halliburton injury. So there would be an opening there because Siakam wouldn't be directly replacing Bruce Brown. He'd be replacing Jalen Smith. So you'd get Jalen Smith out of there and then you'd get someone to have to replace at the two where Brown has been playing. And that might bump Matherin up. But we've seen Matherin in closer starters minutes. He's borderline. We've seen Nembhard in closer starters minutes. He's borderline. Heald would be the one that if he played 33 minutes again and started, that we'd be all over in terms of grabbing. But we'd have to see a lot of different other moving parts and pieces because as much as Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith or Obi Toppin might seem inconsequential, their movement changes stuff. And if they do, or TJ McConnell, if he ends up in Toronto, then who the hell is the point guard now with Halliburton? It's got to be just all Nempard. Maybe we're playing Isaiah Wong. I don't know. But they're the sort of things that we look at. We'll do a full breakdown of this when we hear about it. But there's not like where I go, oh, I must go and grab this guy. Bruce Brown would be the one. Um, and then I'd consider a hold on Isaiah Jackson because if he was moved, it would be through the roof for a very short term. It would be huge though. But that'd be the only thing that I'm looking at at this point. We just don't know anymore, unfortunately. So that's um, that's where we go. Um, I didn't put this on the sheet, but Pete Nance, Larry's brother, signed a 10-day with the Cavs. Not a bad player, Pete. I thought he could have been drafted two years ago, went back to school, then didn't get drafted again. Not a bad player. Older. But interesting. They've had an open roster spot since they got rid of Rubio. Sorry, that's bad phrasing. Since Rubio um, was forced to basically retire. Uh, so they've had the open roster spot. Nance is there on the two, the 10-day now. And we'll see. I, I would love for them to just convert Craig Porter and then put Pete on a two-way. But we don't know. It's not going to matter much, I don't think. The other big news we got, and I sort of talked about this, is about Ivica Zubats. I said, watch that, because they changed the designation from calf tightness to calf strain. I said, ooh, calf strain means he's out this week, and it's probably a two- to three-week injury. It's worse. It's minimum four weeks. That's a grade two calf strain. That's four weeks re-evaluation. That's probably six weeks out is a guess. So the question's going to be, what do we do uh, replacements? Well, I'm not going to speculate on that just now, because we've got a Clippers game that is taking place as I'm recording this intro, and we'll talk about what happened in that game later on today in this show. Stay tuned. We'll talk about the Zubats replacement. As usual, if you've got an open IL slot, Zubats sits in it. If you don't, you move on. That's too long to hold on to a guy who's a back-end player anyway. You move on. Some other injury news. Doncic is questionable. Exum's out. Derek Jones looks like he's going to play. That's good. Darius Garland could be back pretty soon. That's about in the time frame that we expected. Um, looks like DeAndre Ayton and Jeremy Grant are going to play. They're both listed probable for the Blazers. So a lot of those stream options that we were seeing, they're going to get cooked like Jabari Walker, Yatamani Kamara's, Matisse Thibault's, all their value is going to be shrunken down. Even Dwight Reith, who was playing pretty good numbers, they're not going to do that now. And then the other one is we've got a bit of an update on Gordon Haywood. It appears like he's still at least a week to two weeks away with that calf strain. We would have hoped that it meant Brandon Miller could be good, but unfortunately he has not been good. Um, we don't even know if he's going to play tomorrow, but Haywood is remaining out for that period of time. So it is good to get that update even though it was hidden in a, an article not really uh, mentioned anywhere, but we did get that news over on uh, Basketball Monster. Today's episode 
is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion and drive and patience. It's what brings home a winning trophy. And it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle or level it up to peak performance. Whether it's superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights or more. Whether it's speed or power, style, comfort, whatever it is. eBay Motors has you covered. There's over 122 million parts to choose from for your number one ride or die. And even your side piece car. You can do that too. It doesn't just have to be your number one. You can actually do it for any car. So we're not going to be exclusionary here. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber. Brum, brum. And not cash. So get all the parts that you need at the prices you want. And it's easy to turn your car into the MVP. So that sucks basketball. And bring home that win. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to US customers. There you go. Well, that's one thing that the US, another thing the US gets that we don't, we just have free healthcare. So, you know, fair trade-off, I guess. Guaranteed fit or healthcare. <laughs> oh, I'm an idiot. All right, let's um, let's talk waiver wire. Let's look at some waiver wire trends. Who's been up, who's been down. You're going to be absolutely, you're going to fall off your chair when you see the most added player. There's no way you would predict who the most added player is because it is Gregory Jackson the second. He's up 61%, the big fella. Um, I think we're going to have some disappointments with him, but I'm excited about him. I there are it is there is it is possible to hold multiple point of views that are not conflicting at the same time. Like I can be excited for GG, I can be I can see that opportunity very clearly there for him. I can see him having a very big role rest of season, and I can also say all of that stuff and go, hmm, I'm not sure that he's going to be the perfect fantasy guy because of some of the um, efficiency issues that might strike him. The fact that he's so young and maybe these defensive stats don't hold. I can have all of those thoughts at the same time. I can say, grab him. Let's see where it goes. The opportunity is there. But hey, it might not work out for the youngest player with inefficiency problems. Like That's possible too. And that's where I sit with him. But you know the motto. Stone Temple, number four, number six, number 10. I don't know. Get ahead of it. That's what we're doing. Fan of Pants, up 45%. We don't want anything to do with it. Apart from it's the Tuesday, Thursday combo. And then you jack his ass right off after that on Thursday because I don't play again for the rest of the week. The second most added, or third most added player, if I could count, would be Isaiah Stewart. He's up 18%. We'll see what happens with Boyan Bogdanovich back tomorrow. Should have mentioned that. He's probable to return. We saw Stewart play a ton of minutes last game. I don't think that is because of the um, Marvin Bagley trade necessarily. I think it's partly because Bogdanovich wasn't there and partly because their opponents, the Wizards, had no backup center. So they went small and they limited Duran's minutes. But we'll find out as well. We had an opportunity to see that happening tomorrow. Wendell Carter, actually, I look at Stewart as a 14-teamer, not necessarily a must for 12s. Wendell Carter's up 11%. I guess people love the little scoring outburst he had in under 20 minutes. I'm still not 100% convinced that's a 12-team guy, but whatever, go for it. Jeremy Sohan up 10%. Yep, he's putting up top 100 numbers. So you can't ignore that. And the minutes are big, and I don't think it needs to be held all the way through, but he's improving. And then the last one is the bug, the machine. Vince Williams up 9%. Love what he's doing at the moment. There is going to be some regression coming from him, but, you know, he's going well. The role is there, and he looks pretty good. The most dropped player, number one, on this list is Trace Jackson Davis, down 26%. Cool. Go go for it. Mo Wagner, down 16 Drop him. Brandon Pajemski, down 15%. Really like Pajemski. The role doesn't look secure enough. The upside doesn't look high enough. Unless other things develop in Golden State, fine to move on. Kevin Love, down 14%. The knee has now cost him three straight games. He's out again tomorrow. Benedict Matherin and Isaiah Jackson down 11% and 13%. Should have said respectively, but I said the numbers in the wrong order. Matherin down 13% and Jackson down 11%. So I would be 
the Pacers have a great schedule coming up. They've got a Thursday, Friday back-to-back as the only team. And that Jackson one, I'd be, I'd actually be all over it. If he is the part that moves to Toronto that is huge, I would add him. And it sounds crazy, but I would look at him. And if Brown is gone, Matherin maybe. The scoring is interesting. I wouldn't be super interested there, especially because he's also dealing with an ankle injury. But I think that the drop of Matherin with the ankle is totally okay. Jackson had foul trouble last game, so played like nine minutes. But the schedule was so favorable for these guys that it's interesting that they just got dumped in so many different spots. I would be very, very interested, very interested in Isaiah Jackson, just in case. Just in case. You never know. You never know, do you? Now, I wanted to try, if you I'm always trying to like improve the way this daily show goes and the recap show goes. And I think it might be a good idea. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you tell me what you think. Tell me what your feedback is. But just before we get into the recaps of the games, just tell you about what lineup changes actually happened. Just some people really love to know who started, who didn't. And I want to just sort of do, give a brief, a brief, quick overview at the start of the guys, or the lineups that changed before the games. Do you think that makes sense? I'll show you what I mean. So today we had a lineup change. Mason Plumley started and Daniel Tice moved to the bench because last game Zubats was out. Tice started and Plumley was off the bench. Now we'll talk more about the Clippers later, but is that sort of thing helpful? Obviously that was just a really small thing because there's only one game that had happened in today and there was three games on and that's okay. But is that sort of thing useful, do you think? Just a little, hey, here's the lineup changes that happened today. Let me know. Feedback, comments. That's how it works. I hope that's how it works anyway. And if you give feedback, I don't necessarily have to follow it, but I will listen for sure. I will definitely read it. Let's take a look at games. It was the Denver Nuggets and the Philadelphia 76ers. You wouldn't be mad if this ended up being the NBA Finals. It was a huge game back and forth. And the Sixers, in the end, they were just too much for the uh, for the Nuggets. The final score here, 126-121. Just a, a ripping game after the Nuggets tried to pull funny buggers by listing all of their starters as questionable. Embiid playing with no restriction on a back-to-back. Just huge to get this performance and, and to get this game here in the regular season. Someone said yesterday that, hey, Josh, when you're reading out the stats, they're not matching the box score that's up there. And I apologize for that. What it is, is that that's that's an ESPN box score that's up there, right? And we have our box scores over at Basketball Monster, which come through the data provider. But sometimes the data provider and the official stats that come through are different. You see this sometimes Yahoo Fantasy versus ESPN Fantasy because they're live tracked and there's different providers that sometimes live track it. So I'm reading off the Basketball Monster box score when I talk because that has all of my data. Where do I project this guy rest of season? What's his ranking been whole season? What's his ranking been the last two weeks? What's his ranking been the last five games? What's he averaging fantasy points wise? What's his usage? I've got all those numbers in front of me which aren't displayed on that box score. But if I put that up on the screen for you to view, it's ugly as and you can't really read it. So I'm reading that. The ESPN box score is up. And sometimes... And they do adjust as everyone gets through and they you know, recalibrate and adjust statistics and adjust. But sometimes if when I'm doing it like that, as it's happening, there's some discrepancies. And I do apologize for that. I don't really know a full solution to it, but that will happen sometimes. That you will see differences in the box scores because of the different providers providing um, real-time in up-to-the-minute numbers. And that's what I, a lot of the time I like to do. The game finishes, I record. And it, it, sometimes it's an hour after the game that stats adjust. So I do, again, I do apologize for that. It does make it a little bit hard, but I'm trying to do what I can the best out of this situation. It annoys me. It annoys me for sure, but that's where we're at. All right, hopefully no mistakes here. Denver, Jokic, 38 minutes, 25 and 19. Steel block, 55%. Look, it's a great fantasy game, no doubt, but I would say that Embiid probably had the better of him in this game. I'd say that's fair. 
And B, we'll talk about it in a sec, but that's still a great game from Jokic. Murray, 17, 3, and 10. You want a little bit more accuracy in the shooting, 44%, but good all, all, uh, all around. And that's about the third consecutive strong Michael Ponder game. He had 20 and 5 with four threes. KCP, this is his thing. 13 and 5 is not bad. He had two threes. He had a steal. He still remains a fringe guy. He's 169th for points leagues this season. He's 122nd in categories, which you might say, Josh, is a must roster player. And I think it's all right. Like, it's fine. But I wouldn't say that, man, I just have to hold on to KCP under all circumstances. It's okay to do it, though. Aaron Gordon, really rough from the line. Two of six, but 16, six, and four. No defensive stats and 64 from the field is good. It just hurts you on that free throw. And then there's not a lot else happening here. Like Reggie Jackson had 10 points. Like, cool. Christian Brown had 11 points in 18 minutes. Cool. What Unfortunately, what we're seeing is Peyton Watson's minutes be reduced. He was pushing up into a nice role. That's cooled off. Obviously, I still really like Peyton for deeper leagues and for, sorry, for dynasty leagues more in particular, but that, that has cooled off there. For Philadelphia, um, there was no Melton. He's out at least another three games, maybe more. No Mo Bamba, but he wasn't going to play with Embiid then. Let's start with Joel. He played 39 minutes. He had 41, 7, and 10, 59 from the field and 80% from the line. Huge game there. And the Thick Hogsman. What about him? Last game, Toby had like 10 points. In this game, he goes sick. 24, 5, and 4. One steal, two blocks. Just the casual 80% shooting. That's really key. He still only took 10 shots, but just decided he wasn't missing. And that bumps a lot of his numbers up. Now, it accounts nothing for the defensive stats and the assists, which are great. But he's been very up and down, obviously. But in saying that, last two weeks, you probably wouldn't know this, but he's the 34th ranked player. I didn't know it. That's really high. Didn't think that was the case. Maxi, some real rough stuff from the line there. Three of seven is terrible, 43%. 25, 5, and 9 with two steals and four threes. Can't ask for much more there. And he is settling. And we talked about him. It was on the Buy Low, Sell High show earlier today. Saying I think he's going to settle around that 30 area. He's 27th now over the last two weeks. And that sounds about right. But Toom just does the little things. Again, eight points, two threes, four rebounds, two assists, two blocks. He's 138th over the last two weeks. And I don't think that anyone who'd sit here and go, yeah, KCP and Nick Batum, pretty similar fantasy contributors. But they actually are. Batum is like a guy that's available in 90% of leagues and KCP is available in 35. I'm not saying that KCP is better, but Batum is just doing enough little things. My man, Kelly Ubre sucked again. 11 and 5 in 27 minutes. I I think you can uh, you can jack him. Get that garbage out of here! Now, a couple of people yesterday when I did use the jack um, wrote comments that I said, let's get John Armstrong in. And I don't know if they were laughing because I called him John Armstrong or they were laughing because they thought I got it wrong and his name's Jack. His name's John. Jack's a nickname. It's a nickname for John. That's why I called him John, to be funny. That's that's it. It's like calling James Harden Jim Harden. It's a nickname. That's what I called him. So I didn't get it wrong. But So I don't know if you're laughing because you thought I got it wrong or you're laughing because it was funny. Either way, it's all about humor, isn't it? We hope. Uh, Paddy Beverly, 27 minutes with Melton out. He had just... Uh, an orgasmic Richie Benno, eight points, two threes, two rebounds, two assists, and two steals. Cool. He's got at least some deeper league streaming appeal while um, the big fella, DeAnthony Melton, is sidelined. So that's where we're at with that. Today's episode is also brought to you by Better Help 2024. What a year. It's here. 2023 is done. And I hope you're not going to go out there and set unrealistic expectations because that is the downfall of a lot of people. We all want to improve. We want to be better, some more so than others, and that's cool too. Therapy can help you find attainable goals. It's not about, I'm going to change the world because let's be fair, you're not. But what you can do is you can change things about yourself and you can build and it's incremental steps and therapy helps you find those little things that you can do to help improve across numerous different areas. So 
If you've been thinking about starting therapy, why don't you go and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online. It's flexible. It's designed to suit your schedule as well. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. They match you with a therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which is really, really key. You don't want to be stuck talking to someone that you don't want to talk to. So celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by Fangel. The NFL playoffs week one is done, is finished, it is cooked, and in my mind, the NFL season's over. But according to Fangel, you can still get in on the action with Fangel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 redos in bonus bets guaranteed. All you got to do is place a $5 bet. Now that $5 bet, I don't care what it's on. You could be placing it on the Australian Open. You could be placing on NBA. You could be placing on college basketball because it doesn't matter if you win or lose. You just place it and you get $150 in bonus bets back. And then check out all of their great things, including, you guessed it, the Parlay Hub. They've got live same-game parlays. They've got the Parlay Hub. You can follow other people's parlays, create your own parlay. Maybe you want to create a parlay um, between the like winner of the Australian Open men's and women's. Parlay those together. Is that even possible? Probably is. Go check it out over on fanjul.com, but use fanjul.com slash locked on. And that is a great way to get started and to make your first bet a layup or an ace. Let's really mix our sporting metaphors. Fangel is also an official partner of the NFL, and don't forget to gamble responsibly. All right, let's look at the second game. What a uh, what a cracking day of games, because the Kings were up huge. They were like twenty points up, I think, at start of the third, start of the fourth quarter, maybe. Um, but that doesn't matter because in the end, the Phoenix Suns. Sorry. Grayson Allen's Phoenix Suns come back with a win, 119-117. We'll start on Sacramento's side. Really disappointing loss. Sabonis just keeps dropping triple-doubles, though. 21-12-11, 11, 82% from the field. He was 50% from the line. Great game. De'Aaron Fox, also really good. 33-2-6 with six triples and two steals. Really, again, strong fantasy production from those two. Sabonis was a minus two in that, which is not ideal. Um, Keegan Murray played through his hip injury and just did... Little bits and pieces, which was strong as well. 18-4-3 with 3-3, steal on a block. Looking really, he's starting to get a bit more consistency and producing in some other categories, which is great. Fan of pants, don't be excited. Don't be dismayed. What we added Kevin Herter for was for the Tuesday, Thursday, back-to-back. And he played 26 minutes. He had 10 points, two threes, two steals and a block. And you can't ask for anything more. You hold him through Thursday, then you jack after that. And Malik Monk was pretty rough with the shooting, 31%. But he did have 13, 3, and 8 in 29 minutes. And the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy, he did nothing. Eight points, two threes, 34 minutes. But if you did add him or Trey Lyles, who stunk, you did it for Thursday too. Lyles was scoreless in 14 minutes. Of course he was. He played 30 minutes the other day. While Barnes had 8, 3, and 3 with two triples. Sasha Vazenkov was much better. That is why Lyles' minutes were down. Vazenkov has been out of the rotation, but he stepped back up, had 14 points in 18 minutes. I wouldn't look at him too closely. But you might, in a deeper league, stream him for Thursday. But that's that's honestly going to be it. For the Suns, I mentioned him already. The new GOAT, Grayson Allen. 37 minutes, 29 points, 9 triples, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 59% shooting. The man's the top 40 player over the last two weeks. And he's still not rostered everywhere. He's, this is in, Guys, this is insane. He needs to be rostered everywhere. He's a top 70 player this season. What is our excuse here? In a points league, or, I get it. He's 121st in points. It's not super exciting. In a category league, literally no excuse. None. He has to be rostered everywhere. Don't treat him as like, oh yeah, maybe he's my back. He is better than that. And I can't believe I'm saying this about Grayson Allen. He just keeps doing it. It doesn't really matter who's in or out. 
He's been amazing. And this was an insane performance. Kevin Durant, 27-5 and forward two blocks. Bit rough on the efficiency, but we love the rest. While Nurkic had 10 and 15. Not as good from Beal and Booker. Booker had 16-4 with 11 assists and shot 36%, while Beal had 13-3 and 5 with two steals. Now, Bradley Beal, remember, I just want to hark back to a couple of things, all right? Remember in the preseason when Beal was traded for and Shams Sharani is like, the Suns aren't going for a point guard. Bradley Beal is going to be their point guard. And a lot of us, including me, said that's, uh, what do the kids say? Cap? So that's cap, Shams. Like, that's just not true. Devin Booker's going to be their point guard. But there were a lot of people who did go, well, Shams said he's their point guard, so he's their point guard. Would you believe that Bradley Beal's assist rate is 25% lower than it was last season when he was playing for the Wizards and apparently moving to a point guard role now, and now he just gets less assists? Really interesting to see the way that some of these reporters, no offense to Shams, but put this stuff out because of the way that's told or favors or whatever, it was very blindingly obvious that Beal was not going to be the point guard on this team, and his assist rate is down. And he didn't have a very good game here, 13-3 and 5 with two steals, but he's been much better of late. But really important to understand that not everything that gets told to you through these reporters is accurate. Not everything gets told to you by me is accurate, because I get things wrong too. That is, I thought it was just an interesting tidbit. Eric Gordon closed the game. He'd been like smelly. He'd been so bad, but he was good here. 13-3 and 2, two steals, three threes. Not anything more than looking at him as a stream guy for 12s, but... At least back on track after a run of stinkers. Chimezi Metu played 10 minutes and Drew Eubanks played 10 minutes. So great that we get no resolution to who's the backup center there. They sort of chopped and changed and split those minutes up. And that might get even more confusing when the big fella, Bol Bol, returns, who's been playing well. But I worry that this foot issue, the way that Frank Vogel was talking about it, was like, yeah, we hope it's not too bad. We're going to do some more imaging. That sounds like it's going to be a while, to be fair. But they're just not ruling him out. And that's annoying. But the sometimes you try and read into shit. Sometimes you get it wrong. I think, I'd like to think most of the time I get it right, that when you hear the way that words are used, and we've got lying legends all over the place, that's true, so that, that makes it harder. But the way that words are used sometimes, they can tell you something without telling you anything. And the way that he talked about bold makes me think that it might not be a, um, might not be short term, even though he said things that might suggest that. I'm not sure. It's like when the Clippers just casually change the diagnosis of Zubats from tightness to strain. You gotta watch those little things. They're important. They give you a little bit of a hint as to what's going on. And we'll see what not that bowl matters for most people, just I don't know, just trying to provide some stuff that goes through my head. You don't want to get too deep in there, but sometimes some interesting things come out. Alright, the last game of the night. Another absolute banger. Three really good games on uh, on today. The Clippers beat the Thunder 128-117. Uh, nice little pull away at the end there. For the Clippers, let's talk Thunder first. The Bronco, Jalen Williams, continues to excel. 33 minutes, 25, 3, and 7. The You might think the sell-high case is weakening. It's strengthening because, again, he shot 71%. He is on an absolute tear, one of the best efficiency tears you will see. The assists, they might be real. That is totally possible that they, this bump is real. Just nobody shoots this way. It just is going to stop. He is going to drop off with the shooting. That is going to happen. But he's just also... If you can't sell her, just enjoy it. It's awesome. We love it. Shea, 19 points, two blocks, 38% shooting. He was questionable heading into yesterday's game. He didn't look quite right. I'm a little worried. We know this is like a high-volume stretch for the Thunder here, so just just be cautious. He's not quite there, and same with Chet. I thought they might limit his minutes a, a bit. They didn't, but he just didn't play well. 8, 5, and 5, 20% from the field stinks. 4 of 6 from the line is not great. Um... I wonder, like, you know, three weeks ago it was unanimous that Chet was going to win Rookie of the Year. I wonder, I wonder how we're going to be looking at that in three, four weeks' time. I'm not saying Chet's bad, but yeah, it's, uh, it's coming a bit closer. 
Josh Giddy was benched again. 19 minutes, 9, 4, and 4. That is two stinkers in a row from Giddy. If I'm in a 10-teamer, I would consider a drop. Uh, in a 12, I probably do hold, but that's not a great trend. Obviously, the guy that took his minutes down the stretch was Isaiah Joe. 15 points, all from three, of course. Uh, he was, what, five of five from three, I think? No, five of six from three. He had six rebounds and two steals. Really good game overall from Joe. He's a stream guy. They play again on Thursday, which you can look at there. Not much else going on, I don't think, on that Thunder team. But on the Clippers, we got the news, as I said earlier, about Ivica Zubats. And we got the news from Ty Lu that he was going to switch the starter and put Mason Plumley in instead of Daniel Tice. But he said, look, he's got a long way to go to get back into game shape and get his conditioning up. Um, it's going to be a long way. So I thought, okay. That, that to me, we saw Mason Plumley last season play for the Hornets. He played 29 minutes a night, and he was a back-end 12-team league guy. Had a 33-minute run, which really pushed him higher. Went to the Clippers, and that value all disappeared. So I thought, okay, if he's going to be limited here, um, they were running him off the bench behind Tice anyway. I didn't really see it as like, this is a must-grab situation. Okay? He's, he's 29 minutes a game for the Hornets last season as a starter. He averaged 12 points with 10 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 0.6 steals, and 0.6 blocks as a starter in 29 minutes last game. Thought it's going to be limited and I you know I wasn't I wasn't ready for it because you know lying legends. You know what the coaches do. So Plumley he's not conditioned they're going to limit his minutes. He played 28. Of course he did. Those are the minutes that Zubac just normally plays. So in other words, what are you talking about? 14 points for Plumley, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 blocks, 100% from the field. This bastard won't die. That is why he's the cockroach. He's back again. Now, he is going to hurt your free throws. And also, be aware, he had three blocks in this game. He had three blocks. That would normally take him four games to get that total. He is not a shot blocker. That is the fake part of this. Now, he is a good passer. He can score a bit. The 28 minutes is really interesting. If you want to add him, add him. But also, they don't play on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. So they don't play again until Saturday. Is that worth it? And, interestingly enough... His category league line today was worse than Daniel Tice's. Mainly because of the free throws. Tice had 9-8 and eight with three blocks of his own in 20 minutes. One of the other things I posited about this team was that with Zubats out, if they're going to play Tice and his spacing, that means they can play more Westbrook. And I was right, but also horribly wrong. Because Westbrook only played 22 minutes. He had 11-2-4. Because Plumlee played those minutes. They just paired Westbrook and Tice together. So when they put Plumlee back in to close the game... They couldn't have Westbrook out there. So my assumption would be, considering that Plumlee hadn't been playing and had been available since, I think, the 1st of January, and he'd played in three contests for a total of about 30 minutes over that time, that I thought that Tice would get the minutes or they'd split. That would mean Westbrook could play 24 or 25 and be useful. But no, no, that's not what happened. Plumlee, which went straight into starters minutes, um, Westbrook was again tethered to Tice. And my whole assessment of that situation, based on what had happened, was wrong. That's what happens. So, yes, we can add Plumley, But be aware of the limitations. The blocks here are not real. The free throw percentage is a concern. And this, again, puts Westbrook back into a not-going-to-happen situation. And I think we get a relatively clear indication there of Westbrook needs a spacing center before they play him. Because if it's Zubats or if it's Plumley, they're not going to get him out there that much. That's what, I've, that's what I'm taking away from this so far. And the game where Tice played the majority of the minutes or they went small, Westbrook was able to play. So keep that in mind. So a little bit, yeah, a little bit of a curveball there with the center rotation. Um, Paul George was ridiculous in this game. 38 points, six dribbles, seven rebounds, five assists, three steals. He was poor in their last game and awesome here. Kawhi, 16, six and six, and Jimmy Harden had 16, five and eight. They didn't need to do a huge amount, Kawhi and Harden, because Paul George had control. So did Mason Plumley, of course. 
Westbrook had the 11, 2, and 4, as I said, but that is really hard to justify. Well, Norman Powell, he's only a streamer. You don't have to hold him, and obviously they don't play till Saturday, so just jack him all the way off. Get that garbage out of here. Eight points on 20% shooting for Norman Powell, but a real like a real switch-up situation of Plumlee starting, didn't expect it, of Plumlee playing big minutes, was told not to expect it, and then Westbrook being cut back down, which made more sense with Plumlee playing those extra minutes. So a really interesting development there, and that's going to last for weeks and weeks and weeks. So yes, you can. You, the value of Plumlee this week is not high, but longer term, there's a little bit there. Does it last into your fantasy playoffs? Probably not, and that's worth considering as well. That'll bring us to the end of the game recap portion of the show. Good for us. Let's go and have a look at the streams of the day now. Recap that. And you don't get this very often. And I'll spoil it now. But the stream of the day for 10-teamers is also the monstrous line of the night. And that is Grayson Allen, who had 29 points. He hit nine triples. He had five rebounds, six assists, dropped in two steals, and two blocks. Your 12-team streamer was Lou Dort. He had 19-1-1. That's a pretty good result from Lou. The 14-team streamer was Dan Tice, 9-8 and eight with three blocks. That also worked out pretty well. I obviously didn't have Plomley on this list. I just didn't expect this. Um, Nico Batum for 16-teamers. I reckon that's a big W as well. 8-4-2 and two with zero steals and two blocks. The points leagues ones were Kevin Herter, and it's hard to complain. 25.6 for Herter in Yahoo and 30 in ESPN. Relatively good numbers. So I think overall today, the streams of the day seem to work okay. Let's do the monstrous line of the night. I already gave it away. You know who it is. It is um, the new GOAT over there in Phoenix. Grayson Allen, 29.6 assists, two blocks, nine triggles. Huge performance. The waiver wire line of the night. I use the cutoff of this of 50%. Grayson's like 63%. That's how he was able to qualify for the 10-team stream of the day, but he doesn't qualify for this. So we are going to go with Isaiah Joe, who's available in like 95% of leagues. 15 points, five triggles, six rebounds, and three assists for the big fella there. The young gun of the night, the best performer of a best performance from a first or second year player. We're going to Sacramento for Keegan Murray, who had 18, 4, and 3 in that one. And then lastly, we do the dud of the night. Maybe it's a little unfair, but with three games on, I had to find someone who was highly rostered who didn't perform that well. And it is Chet Holmgren, because 8, 5, and 5 is not terrible, but bad from bad field goals and bad free throws gets Chet the nod there overall. Let's go through and look at the top six performers now. We start with the top six category league performers for the day. As I've already mentioned, Grayson Allen's at number one, closely followed by Joel Embiid, Paul George, Toby Harris, DeMontis Sabonis, and Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic. Your top six performers for players rostered under 50%. We go Isaiah Joe. He's streamable for threes. We know this. Daniel Tyson, Mason Plumlee next. I just spent a whole bunch of time talking about those guys. Nick Batum, he's a really solid 14-team league guy. Lou Dort's a good schedule stream guy, and Eric Gordon's probably in that schedule stream zone as well. So for a day with only three games on, quite a Bit of interesting stuff from a stream perspective. If we look at the Yahoo Points top six leaderboard, number one was Joel Embiid, Paul George, Nikola Jokic, Grayson Allen, DeMontis Sabonis, and Tyrese Maxey there in Philadelphia. What is our end of day checklist looking like? Grayson Allen, yes, look, if he is available, he's just a must-roster player. I'm putting Isaiah Jackson on this list just in case there is a Pascal Siakam trade that goes down. He's part of matching salary because he would probably start and be a top 70 guy until Pirtle comes back. I've got Mason Plumlee on that list and the drop guys. I don't think you need to hold on to Kelly Oubre and I'm very sure you don't have to hold on to Norman Powell, especially with a three-day gap with no games on. But yeah, on a three-day game, so much interesting stuff. The Clippers situation, Grayson Allen going nuts, and of course, the Pascal Shaquem trade news that I'm sure something's going to develop while I'm asleep, and then you'll 
uh, bombard me with the questions and I'll wake up and see them and then do something about it. That's how we do the show. Guys, don't forget to follow the podcast. But if you're here on YouTube, double bang. Thumbs up, comments, bells, subscribes, all that stuff is very, very useful, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. So yeah.